the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, November the 16th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1821, William Becknell, he reached Santa Fe, New Mexico. I don't know what he did there. He was a trader. He sold and bought goods. But I do know that the route that he took to get there would become the famous Santa Fe Trail. Today in 1902, a cartoon appeared in the Washington Star that depicted Teddy Roosevelt refusing to kill a captive bear. His people were with him. As you may know, Teddy Roosevelt was a real outdoorsman. He liked to hunt and fish and so on. And uh, he had some of his people with him. And he was bear hunting in Mississippi. And some of his guys said to be sure that Teddy Roosevelt gets a, a bear. I know this isn't politically correct, but people actually do hunt still today to this very day and shoot animals like deer and elk and bear and so on. So anyway, he was hunting and he was um, in Mississippi and these guys went out and I don't know how they captured a bear. That seems kind of odd to me, but he must have been a very sickly bear. But anyway, they they captured this bear and they tied him up and they thought, well, they would be sure that Teddy Roosevelt you know, got a bear on this hunting trip. So they come up on this bear and Teddy Roosevelt says, man, I'm not going to shoot that bear. What are you guys doing? And he objected to it. Anyway, that was the story. And it's a true story. It was verified. So the word got around and there was this couple and I can't remember what town they were in, but I've read the story before some, you know, Midwestern or Eastern town somewhere. Anyway, they, they, they owned a shop. And the the guy was the shopkeeper, and in the back of the building, they lived above the shop, as I understand, and in the back of the shop, the lady, the his wife, had a sewing business. She made clothes, like dresses for women and so on. Well, they saw that cartoon, and they thought it was hilarious, and so she made a bear, kind of like what we buy our little kids today, and she put it in the window of she and her husband's shop on the storefront there. And underneath, she, they just put a little sign. It said, Teddy Bear. And people went by and they laughed. Well, then people started going into the shop and saying, I want to buy that. And so, you know, you can figure out the rest of the story. They said, hmm, we better start making these. They called them Teddy Bears. That's how the Teddy Bear came into existence. See, you would not know that if you didn't listen to this program. I think that's kind of a cool story. If not, th- if you don't, thanks for indulging me. Um, I think it's funny. And that just shows you a little bit about American ingenuity. I mean, we're pretty smart people here in America. We don't get credit for it much anymore with our current leadership. But we're pretty smart people, and we come up with some pretty good ideas. Anyway, the teddy bear has been more than a good idea. It's been a fortune for the people who made it and sold it, and still do. Today in 1916, 1914, I'm sorry, the newly created Federal Reserve Banks opened in 12 cities. 
Today, in 1907, Oklahoma became the 46th state of the Union. Today, in 1933, the United States and the Soviet Union, they established diplomatic relations. Today, in 1981, the Senate confirmed Dr. C. Everett Koop to be Surgeon General. That was under Reagan. Today, in 2004, President George W. Bush picked National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice to be his new Secretary of State, Colin Powell, the late Colin Powell, had been that in that office before. Today in 2006, Democrats embraced Nancy Pelosi as the first female House Speaker in history. But as soon as they confirmed her, they turned right around and selected Steny Hoyer as the majority leader against her wishes. The first thing that Nancy Pelosi did when she got into office was try to rig the next uh, person that would have power under her and she objected, and uh, she lost. Five years ago today, U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry, he was addressing the U.N. conference in Morocco. He gave this passionate, as passionate as John Kerry can be, appeal to all countries, including his own, the United States. To press ahead with the fight against climate change, he said a failure to do so would be a betrayal of devastating consequences. I want to talk to you a little bit today about betrayal and some of the devastating consequences. That was five years ago today, but I want to talk to you about today, this day, November 16th, 2021. I was reading in Psalms this morning. I read Psalm 27, among other places. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And that psalm goes on to really lift up your spirit. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set set me up upon a rock. And it says, teach me. Thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. And I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That is the word of the of the Lord. We got a report I noticed this morning came out in the news. It was just I just want to touch on this for a moment. It had to do with the inflation. A lot of people are talking about it, and it's real. It goes through a chart. It, it was put out. It was just uh, published today by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They do that each month. And this is for October. It takes a few days to get everything all tied up and get the report out. But it came out this morning, and it was interesting. I just wanted to touch on this for a moment. If you feel like some things are costing a little more, well, they are. And I looked at the list of this, and, I, I, and again, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but I, I found it interesting. They have a list of the things and the corresponding um, price increase over the last 12 months uh, in the inflationary time that we're in now. And gasoline is the most is the most um, uh, increased in cost. 
it, gasoline costs 49.6% more than it did 12 months ago. But I noticed used vehicles has increased 26.4%. That means a used car is going to cost you 26.4% more money today than the same car would have a year ago. Interesting. New, vehicle, uh, new vehicles are up 9.8%, and overall inflation is 6.2% in the last 12 months. Prescription drugs is 0.7%, so it essentially has not been um, impacted by this, but uh, there's a lot to be said about it. Pete Buttigieg, who is in his office because he's a homosexual, I'm just being honest with you, because nobody thinks he's qualified to be the, the uh, transportation secretary. I don't know that he thinks he's qualified, but he's really happy to have his job. Uh, under the Biden administration, but he was talking about it today, and he said this is kind of a new normal. He was telling the press, Yahoo Press. He he said it's going to be kind of a new normal. He said you just have we just have to adjust to it. And he said there's going to be shortages. He said all those ships setting offshore here. He said it's not the Biden administration that has created any of these problems. He said it's the COVID. He said until we get past this COVID, and there isn't COVID anymore. He said, we're going to have this kind of a life, and it's, it's going to be this way, and there's going to be shortages, and things are going to cost more, and on and on and on and on. I thought, man, this sounds like Jimmy Carter, Chapter 2. It does. And I was paying attention back in the Jimmy Carter days to what he was saying and doing. This is that. And I'm not the only one that thinks so, but a lot of people do. Thinking of reports. Let me give you um, a little piece of news here that's personal to this ministry. I got the report for our, this ministry um, last night. We are we did not meet our budget in October. I don't know if it's due to inflation or whatever, but uh, I don't uh, lose sleep over these things because I try to follow the Lord in the path that He shines the light on for me as an individual. But um, we were off about $6,000 for the month of October. We're not a huge, big ministry. Um, and um, that's, that's a bit to absorb. So I just want to make you aware of that. And I walk day to day, and I have my entire life in ministry. And so I'm just telling you about it. Uh, we will not be able to absorb shortfalls going forward. I, I know you understand that because you have your own budget in your household or maybe you own a business. A lot of you do that listen to this program. So I'm just letting you know. I don't know why that is, but it is what it is. So um, we ran about $6,000 short in October and I don't, I, I don't know why and I'm not going to try to analyze it, but I'm putting it before you and I'll leave it at that. I know you understand and I want to thank you for your support. Um, it is deeply, deeply appreciated. And some of you are so faithful in your support. I got this letter, this, uh, or this note with a check. And these, this couple sends, um, about $300 a month, um, each month. They never miss. So I get this letter with this check for a thousand dollars just yesterday. And it says Gary and all, 
Thank you so much for your ministry. It's getting harder for me to write checks. Want to make sure you get the money, especially not knowing what the weather is going to be. This is from Eastern Washington. Not knowing what the weather is going to be like over the next few months. So this couple sent their check in advance for three months. Not responding to what I just told you because I didn't know that at that time. Uh, that they would have written this check. But I'm just saying, I recognize the faithfulness of so many of you. But I'm simply saying, if you feel led of the Lord to do something in regard to our shortfall last month, thank you in advance. If you don't, I know you'll pray about it. And if the Lord doesn't direct you to do that, then don't do it. Thank you so much. Climate change is not really just about the weather. And I suppose I should tell you our address, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can contribute online, faithandfreedom.us. I think most of us know that climate change is not really about the weather. This weekend, more than 40 bishops, priests, ministers, pastors, imams, yeah, they're all together in this, they formally put out a statement urging Um, John Kerry and all of the climate folks to act. They called for urgent and ambitious action to deliver justice for the most vulnerable people and the most, most vulnerable communities. What justice means to these faith leaders is a forced transfer of billions and billions of dollars to third world countries for more wealthy countries, from more wealthy countries. I want to talk to you today a little bit about, is this a biblical act of charity? An attempt to rid our public servants of some kind of guilt? Or is it simply a misguided attempt to do the right thing? I think I can sort it out. I don't know their heart. God knows their heart. But I'd like to sort it out a little bit and just turn on the light a little bit and kind of open open the drapes and take a good look at what they're doing there. They're doing it in the name of charity. And that's a very sensitive topic because the Bible talks a lot about that, to help the poor and so on, and we'll get into some of that. But it's a shakedown, in my view. And I want to tell you why I believe that and why we should not be misled or misinformed. These more than 40 faith leaders are an example of what religious diversity can produce. Religious diversity is nonsense. There's only one gospel, and it doesn't matter what color we are or what language we speak. There's only one gospel, and there's only one way to God, and that is through his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And by accepting his death and resurrection and asking him to forgive us of our sins, we therefore have a right relationship with God. And we can only have that right relationship with God through his son, only begotten son, Jesus Christ. But in their declaration, these faith leaders, they say time is running out. And members of the global faith community, I'm reading from their their declaration. Members of the global faith community, led by our sisters and brothers from the global south, the global south, call for urgent and ambitious action to deliver justice for the most vulnerable people and communities. The focus of the document of the global faith community is not so much about adaptation to gradual effects of warming or even actions geared toward slowing down the rise of 
atmospheric temperatures or whatever, but rather it's a commitment to funnel money to developing nations in the global south, southern part of the, of, of the globe, the world. The justice that's being called for is essentially $1 billion annually from each of the wealthy nations. The current text of this COP26 meeting that just ended in Scotland They say it not only fails to deliver a separate mechanism to deliver action on loss and damage, it also does not provide any realistic path to new finance. These faith leaders are saying this while repeating the mantra that time is running out, time is running out, time is running out. Climate activists demanded an end to capitalism, black liberation, and the abolition of police at a demonstration at this COP, this climate thing, in Scotland. So while they're wanting to dismantle this country, they are wanting to transfer the wealth of this country and other European countries, more wealthy, France, Germany, etc., wanting to transfer that to the poorest, most backward countries on the face of the earth. And the instant response to that is, why would we not want to help these people? God has given us all of this money and these resources, and these people are needy. That is absolutely correct. 100%. God has blessed America beyond measure. And these people are the poor among the poor in some of these countries. I've been there. The current text, they say, doesn't address the right facts about public finance, it's now, it's coming to them in in grants or in loans, and they're saying no more loans. We want only grants. In other words, give it as a gift, not a loan. Well, I get that. These people can't pay back a lot of loans. I, I get that. But vulnerable countries, they say, must be addressed quickly, and it must be billion dollars annually from these blessed countries. And they say it must be a 50-50 split between mitigation and adaptation. It must be in the form of grants, not loans. It must address access issues so the finance reaches those who need it most. That is a key thought in their thought process because it won't reach those who need it most. I'm not suggesting that I think that it won't. I know it won't. I've been there. The text declares that world leaders must now step up and deliver a clear, actionable text that strengthens previous agreements and puts those living on the front line of the climate crisis at its heart. Speaking about the heart, the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This group of faith leaders are diverse. They're either misguided or purposely trying to mislead the wealthy nations, by guilting them, making them feel guilty, into enriching the corrupt leadership in most of the world's poorest nations. What I'm about to say isn't politically correct. I don't intend it to be. I'm not trying to not be. I'm just telling you the truth. And I know the truth about this. I have personally spent a good deal of time in these countries with the people preaching the gospel, stayed in the pastor's homes in in some cases, Honestly, where they lived in a hut with a dirt floor and I slept on a cot that they borrowed from somebody because they only had two rooms. 
And I didn't, this isn't like once in my life. It's like many times. I stayed in a hotel when I could. I mean, I'm a, I wasn't searching for little hovels with dirt floors to sleep in and stay in when I was in certain parts of the country, preaching the gospel, starting churches, building churches, bringing people in from the U.S. To, that were carpenters and some building contractors and one thing or another. We'd build buildings and I'd preach the gospel and tell people to accept Jesus. And when they accepted Jesus, I'd introduce them to their new pastor, the guy that was standing beside me, and he would take it from there. I've seen all this. We started at a teen challenge center in Saigon, which is now Ho Chi Minh City in, in Vietnam. But I've been with the people in some of the, I'm not saying Vietnam is the worst. It isn't. But boy, some of you like Haiti and some of these places. I, I never was involved in Haiti, but I, I've been in places similar. It's probably the worst. But these guys are from all over the globe. And among the 40 signers are like acting general secretary of the World Council of Churches, the general secretary of the Lutheran World Federation, the secretary of World Evangelical Alliance, the head of the global advocacy of Islamic relief worldwide. And the list goes on and on and on, but that gives you a hint of who they are. But I see this as a shakedown. I do. I don't know, again, what their motives are, but only God knows what's in their hearts but I will tell you that they are demanding hundreds of billions of dollars in order to fix the weather. I mean, who can't see through that? Well, a lot of people can't or they don't want to. I don't know. I, I don't know if people are so profoundly uninformed. I mean, some of us simple folk out here get it. I don't know why they don't, because they're acting as though they believe this. But I'm not sure... I'm not sure some of them do. But what this comes down to is enforced charity. It's not charity, it's taxation. And the Bible interfaces with this the Bible interfaces with every part of the culture. The Bible is first and foremost not a history, it's not a cultural lesson, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel that God wanted us to know that was the Old Testament talks about it, it's coming, and the New Testament tells us what happened as this, the gospel of Jesus Christ became real in the world as God became flesh and dwelt among us. So we look at everything through a biblical lens, and that's why we do what we do here each day, to the best of our ability. But freedom is an innate desire that God puts in the hearts and minds of all mankind. Charity is also a virtue that's implanted in the heart of humanity. I know there are some people so so jaded and so their conscience is so seared that they don't have compassion, they don't respond. But for the most part, as imperfect as we are, we have this thing in our in our heart when we see a needy little kid, we want to clothe him or her and feed them and help them and give them a shower or whatever. We want to help them. I know that feeling, and so do you. I mean, that's just... And there are people that take advantage of that, and they raise a lot of money doing so, and we know that. But I'm talking about nations now, and I'm talking about how they're leading in this huge transfer of wealth, transferring it to a dictator somewhere who can't wait to start his program to change the weather in the world. 
Generous people love to give because they've experienced the truth about giving. Paul quotes Jesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And most of us feel that way. And like I said, we see someone in poverty, someone in need. Our first impulse is to help them. And these guys are playing on that impulse in this country. And I don't know about Europe and all that. They're kind of post way post-Christian for the most part, but it's called progressivism. Socialist governments take the right to give, to be charitable, out of the hands of the individual, and they put it in the hands of government. And that's what's happening with this Green Deal. All welfare policies are charities. They're forced upon people by politicians. I'm not suggesting there's no place in government for a safety net to help people get through difficult times. There is. But that idea was blown up with FDR and LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, and his great society and all that. And now we have this with President Biden. And he's doing the same thing, except he's not as clever. And he's not as really as able to pull off this thing, except he has, with a bunch of Republicans supporting him. I mean, a whole bunch of them. And that I still can't figure out. But people are being forced by government to perform, quote-unquote, charity to do even, not even, we don't even get the satisfaction of having helped our fellow human beings in need through that particular channel. And the recipients don't feel grateful because politicians and activists have convinced them that welfare is the government-given right, not a charitable gift. That's why Paul said what he said. He quoted Jesus Charity is personal. It should be kept that way. Government-run welfare is nothing more than a forced redistribution of wealth, and that's what's going on with this whole green climate thing. These guys know that. They're all benefiting from it. Kerry has benefited tremendously. I'm sure Biden has as well. During his ministry, Jesus often spoke about the poor. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 and 35, he said, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, When you have a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. The rich young rulers told Jesus he would do anything. But when it came to helping the poor and being charitable, he couldn't do it. You know that story. Zacchaeus, on the other hand, the crooked tax collector, he had a different experience. He promised the Lord he'd give half of all of his possessions to the poor. And he said, if I've defrauded anyone or anything, I will pay back four times as much. Jesus responded, and I quote Jesus, today salvation has come to this house. Giving is something that's personal. It's called charitable. But our government and progressivism in the name of compassion, and that includes the evangelicals on the left, in the name of compassion are extracting money from our pockets through taxation and giving it to the poor who, where it ends up with a dictator and calling that Christian in some cases, and charitable in all cases. Charity is personal between a person and God, and it should stay that way. The government should not be our surrogate in what we do 
in that regard. And that's exactly what's happening with this Green Deal that's rolling forward, the one point, whatever it is, $75 trillion deal. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. I'll see you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.